the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kiran Kapoor, brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. This week we're going to be talking about an area we've not covered on the podcast before, which is the animal health industry. And my guest is Laurie Warren, who's many years experience in this area and is also a college tutor. Laurie, welcome to the show. I think we better start with what the animal health industry covers. So what does the animal health industry cover? It's it's actually a, a huge industry, um, but one that I suppose is quite niche, really, because if you don't really work within it, you might not be that familiar with it. Um, but sort of, I suppose, to give an overview, in the UK, there are roughly 50 million pets um, that are sort of medicalized, which means they're sort of seeing a, a vet on a semi-regular basis. And we spend about five billion pounds on, on veterinary treatment for those pets in a year as well. Um, but five in addition billion. to that, five billion on vet care. Yes. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, as I said, it's quite a big industry yeah. um, because there's there's also there's obviously the, the fluffy things, the dogs, the cats, <laughs> the pet rabbits and things. But the other side of the animal health industry that a lot of people well maybe not familiar with is the food production. You know, we're a, we're a big food producer in this country and we have some great standards of care for those food producing animals, farm animals. Um, and there's huge numbers of, of those as well. So um, about 5 million cattle and calves, 4 million pigs, 14 million sheep and about, uh, I think the, the quote, the figure is 139 million broiler hens as well in the UK. <laughs> And all of those have a have a need for veterinary treatment um, and what we call preventative health care as well. So not just when things go wrong, um, but actually keeping those animals healthy from from birth all the way through to old age. And, you know, there's a lot of preventative health care required there as well. Um, and so the the animal health industry, I suppose, sort of makes up these, the companies that are producing the, the drugs and the medicines that we treat all these animals with, that do the regulatory testing to make sure that those products are, are safe and that they, they work in the way that we want them to work. Um, and down to the, uh, the actual veterinary practices that uh, administer the, the products and, and look after the animals. So um, you've got your pharmaceutical companies and then there's things like nutraceuticals, which is, um, you know, um, uh, that has sort of specialist benefits, um, nutritional additives and feed additives. Um, and then you've got your equipment for your diagnostics and your, your, your um, procedures and things. And then lots of consumables. So equipment that um, you'd be using, you know, consumable equipment that gets thrown away. So surgical procedure equipment. And then you've got labs and genetic testing and things like that. So there's lots of areas in the animal health industry. If it's something that interests you um that there's a vast career options there in terms of, of a really interesting role yes i i must admit i think i tend to think of it all just being around vets and and fluffy animals as you put it but that <laughs> that is an enormous industry so is there a difference yeah. between the sort of work that you do on the sort of food production farming side the sort of big animals and the work that's done on fluffy animals uh, in terms of the the veterinary work do you mean yes yes uh yes i think there there is they work in a different way um you will quite often have a veterinary practice 
that is specialized so they'll either be what they call small animal only so the, the more fluffy side the pets um and you'll often get specialist um farm farm vets because they are out and about obviously you can't easily take farm animals into the veterinary practice <laughs> so those farm vets are out and about driving around and and um, checking and doing routine procedures and things and obviously the emergency care as well you do still get some mixed practices that do both but um they are you know the james harriet of the day um mm. there's less and less of those and they tend to be more specialist um and you also get uh, what's called an independent veterinary practice where they're sort of still owned by um, by the, the, the you know owner business person or you get the uh, the more corporate veterinary practices where they're they're sort of run as a, as a corporation and actually sort of run by people who are employed rather than owning that practice um, and they they tend to work in slightly different ways as well uh, but yeah there's definitely a difference in terms of of how you would care for a, a domestic pet over a farm animal obviously there's cost implications and um, various regulatory indications as well if we're going to eat an animal at the end of its life there's more regulations that has to happen there versus a you know medicating a domestic pet that's never going to enter the food chain thank you so that yes so we've got the fluffy end we've got the farm animal end that go into food production and then of course we're talking from Cambridge so we've got Newmark in the race courses and the stud farms very closely so presumably that's another area of um, veterinary medicine. It, it is indeed yeah the the equine veterinary medicine um, is an area I spent quite a long time in it myself um, absolutely you know horses um, and, and animals for sport and um, again yes more regulation there different things to consider you get some vets who are specialist equine vets um keeping sports animals on the road as well so um so yeah the, the industry is uh, has lots of different areas and different niches as well and and those different areas as you've already said work differently and have different um requirements in terms of the products and the services that they offer and and um coming back to marketing because we're on a marketing podcast and <laughs> um, you know some of the marketing techniques used yeah okay so good so we've come on we've come on to marketing but that was a really good sort of background of just how huge this industry is um so if from a marketing perspective if one was sort of thinking actually i'd really like to work in this industry you know i, I love animals or i've got a passion for animals and it's always good to have a career within an area that you are passionate about where are the marketing careers in the animal health industry so there's oh, there's so many uh, that you could possibly go into especially with a, a sort of marketing background already um i suppose if we look in the pharmaceutical uh, industry to start with so the the pharmaceutical companies of which there are quite a few there are some very big players and there are some smaller ones as well um, and I suppose the the most obvious marketing role would be being a product manager or a brand manager um, where you're sort of given a specific product or a, or a portfolio of products to look after um, and you're sort of specifically looking around the, the strategy, the growth and the, the life cycle of that product and um, creating the materials, the marketing materials, the distribution, um, communicating with the press and creating adverts and presentations. I think the thing with being a product manager that, that's probably different to being a product manager in, in other roles would be um, the amount of sort of training and, and education that needs to go on and the dealing specifically with 
the regulatory bodies as well, which I know I've sort of touched on already. Um, but that's uh, sort of a whole other ball game compared to sort of the other the other industries in terms of compliance with regulatory bodies, etc. Are there controls on who you can market to? So if we were talking about human pharma, um, you're not allowed to um, sell drugs directly to the consumer. You have to go via, you, you sell to the healthcare professional for them to decide. Um, what's the rules within animal health? Yes, absolutely. It's very similar. Yeah, you aren't, uh, you have different levels. So um, you have something called a prescription only medicine, which would be, um, can only be prescri prescribed by a vet, um, or you can get prescription medicines that can be pre prescribed by vets or nurses or something called a, a suitably qualified person, an SQP. Um, so they are the, the already two different levels within prescription medicine. So absolutely, they can't be marketed to the pet owner uh, or the, the farmer necessarily. They have to be, you know, it's a conversation with the prescriber. Um, so a lot of the marketing goes on in terms of educating really the the prescribers, be that the vet or or whoever it might be that's doing the prescribing, um, and really to sort of just uh, let them know about the product and its licensing and its indications in terms of what it could be used for, um, and the, the the data behind that, the safety data, the withdrawal data, etc. So yes, you're not necessarily marketing to the end user if you're marketing a product such as that um, but you do have other products that um, either after a period of time are downgraded because their safety data is is so good or to start with they are not a prescription only medicine they're, they're sort of what's called an over-the-counter so can be sold sort of over the counter to the pet owner directly which is um, sort of a whole other ball game to the prescription medicines um, and then obviously you've got your things like your your um, feed additives and your um, nutraceutical products as well, which it depends what sort of category they fit into, uh, depending on on what active ingredients are actually in those products. Okay, that that makes that makes sense. So again, it's very similar to sort of human pharma that you can add you can advertise certain things, um, pain direct painkillers, Nurofen, um, but the other things you definitely can't. You have to go through a um, a healthcare professional. What other areas are they? I mean, you talked about all sorts of things like consumables and diagnostic equipment. Does that come under a similar idea of a product? So again, you would be sending that to the suitably qualified person. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the audience will vary depending on on you know the the area that you go into and the product that you're developing or that you've got for sale. Um, but yes, yeah, specific sort of diagnostic equipment, whether it's, you know, you mentioned racehorses. So let's talk about those. You know, you can imagine mm. the kind of equipment that's needed to knock a racehorse out for a, for a surgical <laughs> procedure. It's very, very specialist equipment. Um, and it, there's only going to be a certain market for something like that. And there's no point sort of marketing it to the to the wrong people. So, um, yeah, talking to the to the right people who are obviously going to be using this equipment and, and qualified in using the equipment. And the same thing goes for the sort of consumable surgical equipment. It's the um, the disposable things that they might be using. And there's a huge array uh, of things that you wouldn't have even thought of in terms of the decisions that are made sort of behind the scenes on those sorts of products and, and the marketing teams that that go behind it and sort of look at these sort of campaigns and the features and benefits of various products and things in in this marketplace um and then there's the the labs as well so 
Um, that's another sort of huge area in terms of animal health and, and the same applies to human um, in terms of, of the laboratories that that provide the testing, the blood testing, you know, the, the results given and the um, genetic testing as well. Um, so we mentioned about farm animals. Um, you know, there's lots of genetic testing that actually goes on in terms of farm animals so that we can select and breed um, the most productive um, animals and in turn increase the the ethical standards, I suppose, of our of our food production industry, which is a, a big a big industry in the UK. Yes, yes. I mean, you were talking about the the number of cattle and the number of hens, which was uh, quite mind blowing. So <laughs> that so to come back to so that's all the sort of um, marketing to suitably qualified persons. What about marketing veterinary practices themselves? So we're sort of possibly down to the the fluffy animals or possibly I suppose marketing to farmers going why don't you use me rather than somebody else how does that side of marketing work yeah absolutely um and it's a again a really interesting um role I suppose to be within a, a veterinary practice and marketing traditionally going back a number of years um you know, it wasn't really a thing to market your veterinary practice. You sort of opened your doors and everyone came. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I suppose with, with all things, um, the, it's got more competitive. Um, people are looking for uh, good value. Um, and marketing a, a veterinary practice has become much higher on the agenda than it, than it sort of previously was a number of years ago. Um, so yes, it is. It's about um, sort of telling people I'm here. So obviously, there's it's, it's services marketing, which as opposed mm -hmm. to products, uh, in many ways. Although there are there are some products that can be sold, but you are effectively needing to market yourself and tell people about the service that you provide and the level of service that you can expect from from that particular veterinary practice. Um, so yes, whether that's reaching a, a farmer, and um, they're not as easy to reach as you might think. <laughs> Um, with, uh, you know, various uh, publications and events and things like that to, to sort of reach out to those uh, farmers to use you, your practice over anybody else's. Um, there tends to be a lot of, a lot of loyalty in the farm side, um, but more mm -hmm. on the fluffy pet side. There's more sort of movement. People move houses more and, uh, you know, new builds go up mm -hmm. where um, more pets are sort of added into the economy. Um, and there's a certain environment where you need to stand out from the crowd just like any other any other business does mm. really in terms of saying I'm here um, and this is what I do uh, this is what you can sort of expect from from the level of service and um, customer service is a, a sort of a big uh, big driver in this industry as well in terms of um, you know that's why someone would probably choose to use you it, it's the level of customer service that they're going to get more so than sort of being price sensitive um but not to oh, say that, that there isn't a price sensitivity as well that's interesting because i was actually going to ask you about the 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 price side or whether it is very much based on word of mouth and people saying no that they're they're really good so they'll look after my farm animal or my fluffy animal the the you know, is it based on the level of service and confidence that you have within them and word of mouth or is it very price based I think there's there's both. When I'm with a practice, you know, I sort of look at that sort of value proposition, uh, as it mm -hmm. were. So, you know, where do you see yourselves on that price versus service axis? 
and um you know are you that high value high service but high price or or are you at the other end there's nothing wrong with being at the other end you know you're offering a cheaper service but the consultation time is quicker you know you're not going to get all the the extra bits and pieces um but you'll you know you'll get what you need done you'll get your vaccinations and your, your this that and the other um for a certain price so um mm-hmm. i think it depends entirely on on what that business is and what their sort of value proposition is and what they want to be um and i do think we're naive if we don't think that price comes into it you know we're in a a times at the moment where uh disposable income is is slightly lower than normal Mm. and um pet owners but pet ownership is is still very high um i think there was a i can't remember what the actual data was but there are more and more pets sort of being dropped off at animal Mm -hmm. rescue centers being Mm -hmm. with people saying they can't afford to keep them anymore so the cost of veterinary treatment is is as anything still going to be under scrutiny um and i think it's more down to sort of what's the value people don't mind the cost if there's a value attached to that yes and i suppose the value in within uh, that side of the veterinary industry is as much reassurance and feeling that you've done the right thing for your your pet or your farm animal as anything else yes yeah absolutely it's the uh, the uh, the feeling and the um the support that you get um is what people put the put the value on i suppose yeah rather than the the actual product given you know they don't tend to care what what drug you actually gave the animal as mm. long as you made it better and you had a good bedside manner and made them feel um safe and secure that their animal was was being well looked after I think, again, going back to the, the comparison with farm animals, the difference with farm animals is that they are run as a business rather than as a mm. domestic pet. So uh, the bottom line matters more in terms of a, mm-hmm. a farm animal because at the end of the day, they have a, a value in terms of their value to the business. Um, and so, um, but a, a lot of veterinary treatment is aimed actually at reducing costs, you know, because it, it preventative health care uh, should in mm-hmm. the long run sort of reduce the costs on your herd in terms of, of unnecessary losses and things like that. So um, farm vets will work in conjunction with farmers. They really become part of the team. You know, they're there so regularly uh, looking after the farm animals that um, they're, they're sort of a valued member of the team and, and sort of driving that business together, really, and discussions together around those farm animals and what their needs are and what the treatments are going to be to keep them in the best health and and Um, look after them for their um, life cycle. Laurie, that was a really great overview of the animal health industry. Thank you. I had no idea that there were quite so many elements and areas of the industry and therefore so many potential marketing careers in this area. Um, If you had one top tip for somebody who's now going, wow, I really want to go and find out more, where would they go? Where would they go? (laughs) I would, um, I'd look at all the... uh, pharmaceutical companies so uh, as I've mentioned the, there's um, a few sort of uh, key players um, I think if if it sounds like a career that you want to get on um, a lot of the pharmaceutical companies run um, sort of training programs um, mm-hmm. they run some apprenticeships I think I've got some students yes. <laughs> um, and uh, get, getting in on an apprenticeship is actually a, a really good way of getting into the industry because a lot of these um, companies are are huge and they have so many opportunities just within them so if you can get get yourself you know on a on a training program early on you can find out which areas really interest you the most which teams it is that you want to sort of join in on 
um, and go from there. So I would do some research on on some of the organisations that uh, appeal to you. Um, I'd send people to LinkedIn because they all tend to be on there. And I guess you mm -hmm. could see um, roles advertised there. Um, mm -hmm. And also, um, if it's something that you think you'd like to get into but don't have any experience, I would say go and do some sort of voluntary work as well in, mm -hmm. in some um, places to sort of get some of the, the sort of scientific background and some of the experience to marry up with whatever sort of marketing skills that you have to show that you um, – you're knowledgeable on the industry because there's a lot to learn and the, but there's, there's a lot of people out there who would be more than happy to um to sort of show you what goes on i suppose fantastic that's really good advice laurie warren thank you so much for your time thank you the cambridge marketing podcast from cambridge marketing college training marketing and pr professionals across the globe